Guess what men are trying to do now? Which is the ultimate goal of Satan the devil. What do you think it is? Other than the destruction of human life. What is it that he is busily doing right now? Okay. He wants to destroy the word of God. Yet it's so many bits out there digitally printed that he can't do it. So what is his greatest scheme that the world is going to think is a wonderful thing? Well, there's a man who works for and is the brains behind the World Economic Forum. You've heard of that. I've mentioned it. Klaus Schwab and his intellectual homosexual brain, Yuval Noah Harari. Now, you can look it up online on YouTube because he gave an interview there. And it's very interesting what they have discussed. They have discussed having AI rewrite the Bible. And make a new one. Now, Harari is probably the most brilliant idiot I have ever seen. He's a Jew, homosexual, readily admit he plays the female part in the relationship between two men. And he says that we need to control AI because it may get away from us. And the man who was interviewing him and said, well, I was preparing for the interview with you, and I was working out some questions to ask you, so I decided to ask AI what questions I should ask you. And it came back in seven seconds with better answers and questions than mine. So, here is the ultimate wipeout of the Bible. AI. It's the first technology ever that can create new ideas. You know, the printing press, radio, television, they broadcast, they spread the ideas created by the human brain, by the human mind. They cannot create a new idea. You know, Gutenberg printed the Bible in the middle of the 15th century. The, the, the printing press printed as many copies of the Bible as Gutenberg instructed it, but it did not create a single new page. It had no ideas of its own about the Bible. Is it good? Is it bad? How to interpret this? How to interpret that? Um, AI can create new ideas, can even write a new Bible. 
we, you know, throughout history, religions dreamt about having a book written by a superhuman intelligence, by a non-human entity. Every religion claims our book, all the other books of the other religions, they, humans wrote them. But our book, no, 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 no. It came from some superhuman intelligence. In a few years, there might be religions that are actually correct, that just think about a religion whose holy book is written by an AI. That could be a reality in a few years. Now then, God's word is written in such a way that only he can unlock the mystery of the kingdom of God and the truth of his word. And that is number one, through obedience to God. Number two, repentance to God. Number three, loving God. Number four, living by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then your mind is opened to begin to understand. I say, begin. See? And the major key that no one wants, you must obey God. Okay. Now, little did they know, but probably 10 years ago, I gave a message on it. Because I am sure that it's already inputted into the AI memory. Now, you see, AI is this huge, giant, vast, maybe floors of computers where they have everything digitized there. Okay? And I love it. Cut off the electricity and blow up the generator of the building and it's no good. <laughs> okay? Now, you can't do that to God because he lives forever. And you can't do that to God because he's eternal. And there is no way that the inputting of all all the intellectual things have been down through history, including all of the great philosophers of the past and all of those who think that they know everything today, all put into this AI will ever be able to understand the word of God. And the answer is no. If it comes to understand a point or two of it, they will stumble over it with the other religions of the world. Here is a book, the basis for what they want to do. If they rewrite the Bible, they'll start with this. World Scripture, a comparative anthology of sacred texts. And that means of all the religions of the world. Now, I've gone through this. Let me read from the foreword, okay? And this is the foundational block on which they're going to build their new Bible. 
and it will be well received. And all of us who believe in the word of God, we're going to be made fun of. We are going to be ridiculed. We are going to be hated because this comes straight from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this represents the good side of Satan. Yes, they take some of the things out of the Bible and put in there. That is true. But it's all buried under all the other religious writings of the world. Okay? Here's the forward. It is obvious as we move toward a world civilization. What is the WEF with Klaus Schwab? Isn't it interesting? Some of the most hateful things against human beings have come out of where? Deutschland. Germany. And they're at it again. Now, if they abandon the United States, guess what happens in Europe? Who is the strongest power? Germany. So that means everything that was accomplished in World War II will be wiped away. Question, is that the deadly wound of the system that is healed? And out of it comes another form of dictatorship? See, because fascism and communism are two sides of one coin. Okay? World civilization, to which so many cultures and spiritual traditions will impinge upon one another. All of us should understand one another. This does not necessarily mean agreements. How could it be given the, the diversity of man's values, etc., etc., okay? But it can mean a growing convergence and complementary among the faiths, large and small. So see, if for whatever small period of time, you can get all the religions to agree together, okay? And that's probably three and a half years at best. Okay. And that's with satanic signs and wonders. Okay. Get everybody in a mood of, well, we accept you. See, Oh, you Christians, you accept our Buddhist religion. Well, that's good. We've got a lot of things that are even better than Christianity. And the Hindus, oh, yes. They know more about meditation and know more about the spiritual things. See? And it's going to be absolutely euphoric. Okay? Large and small of our shrinking planet, it is therefore good to have sources of com comparison among religious traditions. Okay? World scriptures offers an admirable assemblage 
of quotations from holy texts of the world's broadly theistic religions. This is done provided in a logical and orderly way. Okay. By all things, be logical. Isn't that what philosophy is based upon? Yes. See? Now, see, a lot of people think that Satan's only interested in the most corrupt and evil people that are the scourge of the earth. But most don't realize it, that they are the educated, they are the wealthiest, they are the smartest. And how did they get that way? Through Satan the devil. Remember what Satan told Jesus? If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the nations of the world and the glory of them, for it had been delivered unto me, and I'll give it to you now. See, you won't have to go through all your suffering, Jesus, and die. I'll give you the kingdom now because I have it. All you got to do is just bow down and worship me. Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Okay. Now, how many people in the world? Of course, Jesus rejected all of it. And his answer was, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And the only one you're going to worship and serve is God. And that drove Satan away. But in the world, someone come along and, oh, Barack Obama, you're such a nice man. Now, if you just listen to us, will make you wealthy. Did that happen? Does he live in Martha Vineyard? Does he have everything that he wants? Yes, indeed. But who's going to be the final judge? Ah, that's the catch. God will be. Okay. So, logical and orderly way, comparing and contrasting the wide range of material, world scriptures therefore provides us with a collection which is illuminating. Now then, it's over a thousand pages. They did a great job in assembling it. And it looks so appealing. Now, what's going to happen when they go to AI and say, AI, you've got everything inputted into you that man has ever said and done. And now we're coming to you and we want you to create a new Bible, which will be acceptable for everyone. They'll probably answer back, well, that'll take me at least 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. See? And you know what was outstanding? What Yule Noah Harari said, and this will blow your mind. He said, the first thing we need to do is find out 
why we're here. Imagine that. One of the most well-educated men, smartest thinking man in the world, completely deluded, and knows nothing about God. And the truth of the matter is this. If you don't know why you're here, what do you know? Huh? You look in a mirror and say, oh, who are you? Answer back, I don't know. Why am I here? Answer back, I don't know. Well, I'm smarter than you, so you think. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's what they're going to do. See? And I've got certain sections of this marked up. They do include the Beatitudes. Okay. Right next to everything from Buddha, Confucius, Islam, Catholicism, all the religions of the world right here. So this will be the basis of it. It's already done. AI doesn't even need to think about it. It's already been compiled. <laughs> okay. Now then, what God has given to us is greater than all that they put in here. Yes, there's some things from the Bible in there, but it's put in in such a way it's buried. And you can't get much out of it. But the secret of the Lord is to those who what? Who love him and obey him. This is why God has written the Bible the way it has been written. And this is why many of the prophecies are scrambled in such a way that if you are a sequential thinker, you would say, this is crazy. Let's come here to Isaiah 9. Let's show you one scripture that today, as I ask Michael Heiss, how do the Jews understand Isaiah 9 and verse 6? Okay? This is perhaps one of the most useful verses to understand how God has scrambled prophecy so that only he can reveal it. Now, he's given us what keys to reveal it? Sabbath. What else? All the holy days. See? Okay. And even if they input it from the Jews, they won't understand it. Because the Jews don't understand it. See? You know one of the main reasons that they don't understand Christ? Because they keep a 15th Seder Passover when Christ was sacrificed as our Passover. So you can't understand it unless you do it on the day that Jesus died, the 14th 
And you cannot substitute the 15th, first day of a feast of unleavened bread, and call it the Passover any more than you can keep Sunday as a Protestant and say that's the Sabbath for Christians. Both of those things cut you off from God. Okay? Now let's look at this prophecy and see how it's written. Verse 6. Okay? Now, they know that this is a messianic prophecy, but they have no clue on how to understand it because they reject Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing thing? The Jews, some of the smartest people in the world, reject Jesus Christ and end up being like Harari. Well, we got to figure out while we're here. <laughs> See? And the Jews are smart enough to look at Catholicism and know that just baptized paganism and Protestantism. Oh, they love the Protestants because they get money, money, money from the Protestants. Lots of it. Okay. My answer to them is go to Rothschild and get a couple billion and shut your mouth. Okay. Verse six. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. How can the Mighty God be an infant that is born? See? Now, if you don't have the New Testament, you never understand that. See? The Everlasting Father. I bet a lot of people even in the church don't understand that. When will he be the everlasting father? First of all, he's everlasting. So the question is, when will he become a father? After he marries the church and the millennium is set up and all of those who come into the kingdom of God through that, he'll be the everlasting father of those. But they can't understand it. Now notice, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment, with righteousness, from henceforth forevermore. The zeal of, of the Lord of hosts will do this. Okay, now then. Unless you understand what God did in sending Christ and Christ emptying himself to become a pinpoint of life and was begotten in the womb of the Virgin Mary and know that he was God manifested in the flesh and know that he's going to come and set up the kingdom of God on the earth. You cannot understand these verses in Isaiah 9. Makes no sense to you. How can a baby become God? Well, that's what the New Testament is all about with us, right? Hmm? Isn't that true? Become the sons and daughters of God. 
So God is doing something so great and so magnificent and so marvelous that the world will never know it. And when Jesus and the saints return, they are going to fight tooth and nail to the last standing man to try and stop the invasion from outer space by Christ and the saints returning from the sea of glass. And only when Christ and the saints are on the earth and Satan is put in his prison and the darkness lifted from the people's eyes, will they begin to understand. So that is an amazing thing. To see someone so brilliant, but so ignorant. A homosexual that doesn't understand about marriage. They'll never find it. But let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we will see some of the magnificent things that God has shown in his word for us. Now let's continue on and look at what God's plan is for us and how much God cares for us and everything. Now, this book, World Scripture, a comparative anthology of sacred text. I forgot to look at the copyright date. Now, I know I've had this book for well over 10 years. So Jonathan came up and were wondering, when was it copyright? So we looked at the front of the book, and guess when it was copyrighted? 1991. So... That's 32 years ago. Now think what Satan's going to do and what a thing this will be. Because when they reprint it, with all the digital things that they have, they can print it in every language, everywhere. Doesn't matter where you are, it will automatically translate it for you. Okay? Quite a thing. So people are going to say, oh, it's about time. All right. Now let's understand about the Bible. What God has given to us, God knew and understood before what is called for us the ages of time. So we are we are part of God's plan that was before there was even an earth. Now, it's really something the way that the Bible has been put together. And it gets back to this one thing. What is man? Why are we here? Where are we going? Why is there good? Why is there evil? And if there is a God, what is he going to do about it? Well, that's all here in the Bible. But people reject it, see. 
when a person did, well, I'm going to read the Bible. So they start out Genesis, the first chapter, okay? And they read in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning was God. And he created the heavens. And he created the earth. And then they read on about creating man. And by the time they get to chapter 10 with all the genealogies, they're worn out. <laughs> See, because the Bible is not like a novel that you can read and understand as we displayed before the break. Okay. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to get on your computer after services and I want you to go to the Jack Webb Telescope website and look at the recent things they have put up there. Okay? And how awesome and fantastic the universe is. And this tells you how awesome and fantastic that God is. And how awesome and fantastic his plan is. So let's come to Psalm, the eighth chapter, Psalm 8. And this is what every one of us did. Somewhere along the line, before God called us, we wondered, why am I here? What is life? And generally, we messed up our life plenty good enough that we needed the help of God, so we called out to God, right? Okay. And only God can rescue us. Now here, verse 3, Psalm 8. Clear back here in the days of King David. When I consider the heavens. Now today we can consider them better than any, any other time, right? And I'm sure God gave that knowledge and information so that those telescopes will be up in space so that we here on the earth at this time, can see the, some of the vastness of what God has created, see, which pales into insignificance, anything that men do on the earth. See? When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him. Now we know, as Jesus said, that if a sparrow falls, God knows it. Okay? Now, we're made in the image and likeness of God, right? So what are we that he is mindful of us? Okay? And the Son of Man that you care for him, you have made him a little lower than God. Elohim. The word for angel is malik in Hebrew. This is Elohim. A little lower than God. Now, that's quite a thing. Male and female. And as I just did on church at home, you can't change your gender. Period. 
You can butcher yourself. You can cut yourself. You can drug yourself. You can fool yourself. You can put on makeup. You can take off makeup. You can grow hair. You can cut it short. But you can never change your gender. The best you can do is make yourself a hacked up freak from the drugs and the operations. And that's what those who went through it are beginning to see. God made us for a specific purpose, after his image and after his likeness. Okay? Then it says here, gave the whole world to us. So that's quite a thing, isn't it? Yes. All right. Let's come here to to John, the first chapter, one of the most important parts of the whole Bible right here, because it tells us about God. It tells us about Jesus and also introduces us to how God came into the world as a human being so that he, because made in the likeness of God, And that's one of the reasons that we're made in the likeness of God. So that one of the Godhead, because there are two in the Godhead, in the Old Testament, it's the Ancient of Days and the God Most High. In the New Testament, it is the Father and the Son, right? Okay. And as our new book is going to show, the Holy Spirit is never mentioned as a God. That's a satanic intervention by Satan to try and make him part himself part of the Godhead. And doesn't he want to be worshipped? Yes, he does. All right. So God lets us know what he'd been doing. Okay. In the beginning was the word. Now that's another Another name for Christ, because he brought the word of God and taught the word of God. In the New Testament, he spoke the word of God to all the prophets and all those who wrote in the Old Testament. Okay. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Two of them. And the word was God. Won't go into a technical explanation of it because we have too much to cover. He was in the beginning with God. And notice this. Notice this. First thing you learn. There's no such thing as evolution. Now, there's variety within species and kinds, but there's no evolution. Okay? All things... Now, circle all. What does that mean? That means everything that there is. Okay. Came into being through him. And not even one thing that was created came into being without him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay. Oh, first thing we learn here is what? We have life because of God. And we have free moral agency because of God, as Tom Fannin pointed out. And that free moral agency, God leaves up to us to choose. See? 
He is there if we want him. He is not there if we don't want him. But he's made certain laws. So if you go this way to God, there's one effect. And if you go this way to Satan, there's the opposite effect. And there is no way that you can change that. Because that's what God did. All right? Now, come down here to verse 14. And the word became flesh. Read the first chapter of the, of the Gospel of Luke, and that will tell you how that, that came to be. And then you read some of the prophecies, how Jesus was educated every morning by God the Father. Okay? And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we ourselves beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the, of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now that had to be so that God then could begin calling people from all nations. Okay? And God has a plan. And his plan is revealed here. And if you don't have the book that puts it all together, you write for it. God's plan for mankind revealed by his Sabbath and holy days. Okay? And it's not revealed in a world scripture of comparative theology. You get done reading this, and your, your brain is all messed up. What is truth? Okay. Now, the fact of the matter is this. God's plan is so special and so particular that God the Father himself is the one who draws us to him. God will say personally. Okay. So, think about that whenever you come up against a brick wall of a trial that is more than you can handle on your own. You have to put it in God's hands. He draws you. Christ follows up to begin to open your mind. Okay? And that is a calling. So let's come here to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and let's see it here. Okay? Verse 26, chapter 1. So we will answer the question, Lord, why are you mindful of man? Huh? What is your plan for him? And it's so great, it's magnificent. Greater than anything that anybody can come up with. Because only God can do this. Verse 26, so you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh and not many who are powerful and not many who are highborn among you. Okay? Isn't that true? Look at all of the intellects in the world. Look at those who are the most educated, the most wealthy, and everything like that. How many do you see in the church of God? Nada. Why? Because God didn't open their minds. Okay. Think of that. 
the creator of everything that there is, has drawn us to himself and has given us his spirit and has opened our minds. That's why when we come to Revelation 17, we are the, the called, the faithful, and chosen, see? Chosen, selected, picked out, called by God, see? Now, Paul had to learn what a calling was in a hard way, you know. He was on his way to Damascus to arrest the Christians, and God decided, that's enough, knocked him flat on the ground. <laughs> Instant change of thought, wasn't it? <laughs> when he was on the ground, he said, Lord, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. <laughs> then he told him, you go into Damascus and Ananias will come to you. And he, Paul was struck temporarily blind to teach him a lesson that he didn't know a thing. See? All right, let's go on. Rather, God had chosen the foolish. That means uneducated. Okay? The foolish things of the world so that he might put to shame those who are wise. Isn't that true? I imagine that if some of those really rich and intelligent and important people would come in here to this small gathering we, we have and they would say, why would God choose them? <laughs> See, because he wants us, not them. Okay. And God had chosen the weak things of the world so that he might put to shame the strong things and the lowborn of the world and the despised as God chosen, even the things that are counted as nothing, in order that he might bring to nothing the things that are, so that no flesh may glory in his presence. And Job had to learn the lesson, didn't he? Huh? Look at what happened to Job. A lot of people don't understand about Job, because you can't do the things God said you're supposed to do and claim that you do it because you're good and that your righteousness is as good as God's. So, it cost him everything to learn that lesson, didn't it? Yes, it did. So you read the book of Job, and there's every argument back and forth about sin and good and what men do and what men don't. And finally, God answered Job when Job said, Oh, I would, God would come down and talk to me. So God came down in the whirlwind and said, Job, here I am. Who are you who knows nothing to talk about me? So I'm going to start with one question. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? 
if you know. Okay? And like it says in Isaiah 40, who is the counselor to God to tell him what to do? He who has created all the stars in heaven above and names them and numbers them. Huh? God did that. That's why I want you to watch those photos of the latest things they've discovered out there in the universe because it will humble you and make you realize what a fantastic thing that God has done to call us and to reach into our lives so that we can become part of his family. See? All right, now chapter 2. Let's read it here. All right, let's pick it up in verse 9. Now, Paul also shows this, that in the wisdom of this world, they rejected God. Huh. Isn't that what we're seeing today? We'll rewrite the Bible. But we don't know why we're here. <laughs> It's amazing. Okay. Verse 9. But according as it is written, the eye has not seen, nor the ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that, which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, those last three words, circle them. Who love him. You love him. You believe him. You worship him. You keep his commandments. See? That's what God wants. And that's worth more than anything in the world. Okay? But notice this. Why do we know them? Like we started out in Psalm 8. What is man that you're mindful of him? Okay? How do we know what we know? And we know, as we'll see a little later, we know things that prophets and kings didn't even know. All right? But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. The spirit of God. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And the deep things of God are hidden in the Bible in plain sight, but cannot be understood without loving God and keeping his commandments. Okay? That's just the way it goes. For who among men understands the things of man except by the spirit of man which is in him? In the same way also the things of God no one understands except by the spirit of God. You've all no, Harari, may you read that scripture and repent of your arrogance and your sin. Because of the truth of the matter, you may be one of the smartest men in the world, but all like you know nothing about God. because it hasn't been revealed to you. 
So create whatever scripture you want to create, but you're following Satan, the devil. Okay? Here's the reason, verse 12. Now we have not received the spirit of the world. What is the spirit of the world? That's the spirit of Satan, the devil. See? That spirit that is interacting and working in the minds of those who don't know God. But the spirit that is of God so that we might know. God wants us to understand the things graciously given to us by God. That's what God wants us to know. Now, how does he do this? Okay, let's come to Luke, the 11th chapter. Let's read it. Let's see what happens in every one of our lives as we come to God. Not with Franklin Graham's little tinker tinker toy prayer, tinkle tinkle prayer, rather. (laughs) That is a perversion of the scripture that sounds true, but isn't. Okay. All right, let's come to Matthew 11. I know the account there, that's the parallel account, because here's what has to happen. And I I want you to understand how important that this is. Okay. Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, now here's a prayer to God out loud. Okay. So his disciples could hear it. I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent. We just read that in 1 Corinthians, right? Hidden. They can't come to understand it. Because here's why. And reveal them to babe. Yes, Father, for it was well-pleasing in your sight to do this. All things were delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Neither does anyone know the Father except the Son. Now listen carefully. And the one to whom the Son personally himself chooses to reveal him. Now that's quite a statement, isn't it? Okay, let's come back to Luke the 10th chapter because that's a chapter I wanted, not Luke 11, Luke 10. Okay, verse 22, Luke 10. Then he turned to his disciples and said, All things were delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son personally, individually, chooses to reveal him. And he turned to his disciples and said privately, now listen to this, and this applies to every one of us, see, It's not because of any great works we do. It's what God does. Blessed are your eyes that have seen the things that you see. For I tell you, now add on top of that, 
all of the writings of the Apostle Paul, the four Gospels by the Apostles, okay. the general epistles by Peter and James, John, and Jude, and then the book of Revelation. You add all of that on top of what he's saying here to the disciples, okay? And I say to you, blessed are your eyes that you have seen the things that you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings have desired to see the things that you see and have not seen them. And to hear the things that you hear and have not heard them. Whew, think of that. You go down to a time. What is Christ telling us? We know more. Not that we should get lifted up or we should become vain, but that we should become humble and yielded to God. But we know more than all of the philosophers of the past. We know more than all of the greatest brains in the world because we love God and keep his commandments and understand the things that he has put in his word because of his spirit. Okay? Now, let's come to 1 John. 1 John. And let's see what God wants us to do. How God wants us to approach him. What God is doing in our lives. And this is tremendous. Okay? We are called, what? The children of God. Not yet born into the kingdom, because that comes at the resurrection. Okay? But we do have with the Spirit of God, which none of the world has. None of the world can receive. Right here in John, the first chapter. And I'll tell you what. The whole Gospel of John and his three epistles are some of the most inspiring and spiritual things in the whole New Testament. And he recorded the very words of Jesus, which then is the basis that undergirds all of the Word of God which is this. The flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit that gives life. The words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. Now, if you're looking at 1 John, it's not there because I'm quoting John 6, verses 62 and 63. But that sets the, the background for what we're going to read in chapter 1. See? Because God has given to us the greatest relationship that we can possibly have. See? Right here. And he's speaking from personal experience. Because he was there. He saw Jesus. He saw the miracles. He handled him after he was resurrected from the dead. 
Can you imagine that? What a startling thing that was for those apostles when they really understood that it was Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And John was there and saw Jesus crucified and everything that went on. Okay. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, just like we started out. See? That which we have heard, that which we have seen with our own eyes, and that which we observe for ourselves, meaning that they watched everything that Jesus did. And you go back and look at the thousands that he healed and the things that he preached, okay? And what he taught, okay? And our own hands handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and are bearing witness and are reporting to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What a fantastic thing that that was. Manifested to the apostles. Now, he had to manifest it in a way that was progressive. And then when it was the time, he took Peter, James, and John and went up into a high mountain and was transfigured before them so they would see and know that he was the Son of God. How startling that was. See? And then they heard the voice from heaven say, This is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Do you imagine what they felt like up there on top of that mountain? Just the three of them and Jesus and the vision. And Jesus told them, tell the vision to no man till after the Son of Man is raised from the dead. So what John is writing here is very important, see? Okay? Manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we are reporting to you in order that you... See, this was done not for their benefit, but to have them rooted and grounded in the things of God so that they could teach them to us. And so that it could come down to us. So that with the word of God and the spirit of God and loving God and keeping his commandments, we could share spiritually in that which God has done. All right? That you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship, and that means a close working relationship. See? Our fellowship. And all elders listen. You don't rule over the brethren. God and Christ do. We are to teach the brethren, the word of God, and stay close to God so we will be inspired to preach the truth so the brethren can learn. 
And Jesus said it's sufficient if the disciple become like the teacher. And who is the teacher? Jesus Christ. See? That's why we're here to do it. Okay? For the fellowship, indeed our fellowship, is with the Father and with his own Son, Jesus Christ. That is it. Okay? That's the whole foundation of everything that we do. Okay? So he says, we are writing these things to you. Now that's very interesting. Later on, all of the rest of it is, I'm writing, I'm writing. But here it is, we are writing. Okay? So this shows that this first chapter was added when they were canonizing the New Testament. Okay? We're writing these things to you so that your joy may be completely full. And this is the message that we heard from him and are declaring to you that God is light and there's no darkness in him. Okay? Now then, he wants us to know you can't combine the ways of the world with the way of God. Because he was already fighting the philosophies of those who were in the Greek philosophy at that time. So he says, this is the message we're declaring to you that God is light, there's no darkness in him. If we proclaim that we have fellowship with him, but are walking in darkness, we're lying to ourselves and we are not practicing the truth. That verse tells us an awful lot there, right, right there. Okay. Who is the power of darkness? Satan. What does he come as? He comes as an angel of light to take away, to deceive. Okay. However, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So we not only have fellowship with God the Father and Jesus Christ, but fellowship with one another. And that's why it's so important. That's why in the rest of the, the first epistle of John, he talks about loving each other. Okay. Loving God. Okay. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his own son, cleanses us from all sin. And that's what the process of conversion is about. As Tom Fannin said, the renewing of the mind. And that means the transforming, or as the Greek is, metamorphing. That is, through prayer, through study, through living God's way, through keeping his commandments, through loving God, our minds are converted, morphosed, changed. Okay. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, and this is what we are to do. Remember the model prayer? Matthew, the sixth chapter. Okay. Jesus said, here's how you are to pray. Our Father, who is in heaven. So what was one of the first things he began to reveal to the disciples? 
the Father. Okay? Holy is your name. What's the next part? What's the next part? Your will be done on earth. And that means in our lives as it is in heaven. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Right there in Matthew 6. Amazing. He's referring to it here. Okay? If we say we do not have sin, that is, we don't have a sinful nature, but we're good, sincere people. That's the way people view themselves. Okay? Now, some hardened criminals may understand what they are. One murderer in jail said, you better keep me here, because if I get out there, I'm going to do it again. Okay? At least he was honest. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, that's quite a thing, okay? Now, let's, let's look at, at some other things, okay? Let's understand this, okay? All Scripture is God-breathed. That means God-spirited. And you're not going to find it in fake artificial intelligence. Comes from God. Okay? And is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that we may be complete, right? And what did Peter write? Since we're right here in 1 John, just turn right back here to 2 Peter, the first chapter, and let's read it. See? Let's pick it up in verse 16. And how Peter did the same thing as John was writing. 2 Peter 1 and verse 16. Because this becomes very important because the verse 16 describes what this is what the coming rewriting of the Bible will mean. Verse 16. We did not follow cleverly concocted myths as our authority. And that's what all the religions of the world are, cleverly concocted concocted satanic myths or lies. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his magnificent glory. That's exactly what John wrote in the first chapter, right? In First John. Because he received glory and honor from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory. This is my son, the beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. And this was the voice from heaven that we heard when we were with him in the holy mountain. And we possess. Now, why does he do this? Because there were 
a lot of those out there challenging everything that they were saying and doing with the pagan religions of this world. Okay. We also possess the confirmed prophetic word, that's the Old Testament and what they were writing, to which you do well to pay attention as to a shining light in a dark place. Sounds almost like repeat what we read in First John, the first chapter, right? Yes. Until the day dawn. What is that? That's the return of Christ. And the morning star rises in our hearts. What's that? That's the resurrection. It's like Daniel said, those who turn many to righteousness shall shine like the stars in heaven, right? And Jesus said that those who are in the kingdom of God shall shine like the sun, correct? Yes. That's what God has given us. Okay. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture originated as anyone's own private interpretation because prophecy was not brought at any time by human will, but by the holy men of God, and they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Old Testament and New Testament. What we have is greater than anything that the world can provide. And this goes back to the ages of time before time began with us. Okay? Now then, let's come to Ephesians, the third chapter. And let's see how Paul ends this. And remember the first, no, we'll come to Ephesians, the first chapter, then we'll go to Ephesians, the third chapter. Because we need to really understand, especially now, in these days when we are being assaulted day and night with everything against us, okay? We need to be fortified in our minds. Begin in verse 1, chapter 1. Okay. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. See, now we've read this before, but this is something we need to read and understand and always cling to. See, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. So that last phrase goes clear out to our time. Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's God the Father and Jesus Christ dealing directly in our lives. See? And there's no other book on earth that can bring it about. See? And fake artificial intelligence cannot outdo God. Okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly things with Christ, according as he has personally, again. Now, this is a special verb in the Greek. It's called a middle voice verb, which means God 
is the subject and the object. So he is doing this for us so that he can create his family. Okay? Personally chosen us before the foundation of the, wor- of the world. That means he had this plan all ready to go before then in order that we might be holy and without blame before him in love. Okay? That's what God wants. Now, how does God want this manifest? I'll let you read the rest of it there in chapter 1. You finish that off yourself. That is really tremendous, see? All right? Let's come to chapter 3, and we'll end with this. Verse 14, Paul talks about that God has revealed the mystery of his will to the apostles and prophets. And it's written here in the New Testament. That's why it's so important. And the New Testament is supported by everything in the Old Testament. Okay. Verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we pray every day, brother. Right? Not true? Yes of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, were to become the sons and daughters of God the Father. See? That he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power by his Spirit in the inner man, in the very depths of our mind, our heart, our mind, our soul, and everything about us, to be strengthened with God's Spirit. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, having the mind of Christ, the thoughts of God, the words of God, see? And that being rooted and grounded in love may be able to fully comprehend with all the saints God wants us to know, just like we started out there in 1 Corinthians, the first and second chapter, see? With all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of God's plan, okay? And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses human knowledge, so that, here's what God wants. This is the goal, and they'll never find it in their machines. They'll never find it in Satan, only in God the Father, so that you may be filled. Now think of that, filled with all the fullness of God, that we will be like God. And that answers the question, O Lord, what is man that you are mindful of him? And God is mindful of us. Now notice the promise, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is working in us, 
To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all generations, even into the ages of eternity. Amen. So man can never, being separated from God, understand what the word of God is. And so we'll have to wait and see what they produce when they rewrite the Bible. We have been granted the knowledge of it, so we need to love it and hold on to it.